So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32 as we start tonight. And just to get your mind thinking, this is like probably the easiest question everybody can ask. Have, uh, what's the worst problem or conflict that you've been in? Oh my. Uh, Some of us might have too many to count. Some of of us remember specific ones. I remember one when I was still in the army and it was with my next door neighbor while I was at Fort Bliss. And I cannot tell you what that problem was about whatsoever. Cannot tell you. But I know that we were mad at each other. And it lasted for a while until we we let our guard down and and we worked on his car together. Uh, The biggest problem, as you uh, most of you may know, was two years ago. So last last Tuesday, I finally got off my last uh, medication from what happened two years ago. And that was uh, the illustrious polyarteritis nidosa snuck up on you, but it was the nine days in the hospital that they didn't know what was wrong with you, of going through all of that. And while I was there of just thinking through things and and wrestling with what was going on, what was really happening, the doctors don't have an answer, and of course that's not comforting, is it? Until they figured out uh, what it was uh, at the cost of uh, part of my kidney and then you get the joyous news, oh, you're off medication, but you got a 50 to 55% chance of it coming back. Yay. That's awesome. Um, or I'll give you the rest of the story at the, at the end. But uh, are you thinking about those conflicts or problems that you've had? Maybe the conflict has been with the coworker. You know that one that doesn't do anything except drinks coffee and takes all of the credit? You know that one? His, Bob, his name might be Bob. Not, not Guevara, though. Um, or it's that power-hungry boss, right? That he just steps on heads and takes names, and, and it's like, I cannot get out from under this oppression, whatever it might be. Or it could be that family member that it is doggone like the Hatfields and McCoys when you're around each other. Or you could have had problems, major problems, and I started thinking about the congregation and the things that have happened, and I know some of you have lost Close loved ones, huge problem. Some of you have had cancer that you've went through and are still going through. Lost jobs, whatever it might be, that all of us can identify with problems and conflicts that are in our life. And, and we seem to screw it up, don't we? At times. You know what? I'm going to knuckle down. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps I'm going to move on and keep going. And we tend to forget some of the most important things. And so, as we look at Genesis 32, may that roll through your mind as we go through this story. But we better pray, especially that nobody has tomatoes in the congregation. So, let's pray. Father, we just uh, give this time to you and ask that the truth of your word would come out and that the the power of the Spirit would be what impacts the hearts of those that are here. And, and though it might be a familiar story, may it not cause us to uh, shut our eyes and close our ears to what you're doing in our life. And so we just uh, ask that there be no hindrances, no distractions, but that the truth of your word is what would impact our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were here last week, you'll remember in Genesis chapter 31, you know, Laban, uh, you know, Joseph, or not Joseph, Jacob, there's a lot of J's in 
Genesis, in case you didn't know it. But Jacob is like, you know what? It's time to, to blow this taco stand up here in northern Syria and, and take off. And I need to do it while, while Pops-in-law is not around. And so he, he gathers his two wives, his two, two maidservants, and you can look that up later what that is, and, and all of his kids, I think it's 11 at that time, and they take off, and they get a three-day head start, right? And then Laban gets back, and he's like, what happened? Something's not right. And, he, and so he takes off after him. Little did Jacob know that his wife had the family gods uh, also, but there's a conflict that happens with Laban. You remember that? And they talk. And uh, they go through that, and you remember the one phrase that said, you know, that the, the Lord be between us, and that's not something that's nice, you know. Um, and they basically part and separate their ways, and um, it's pretty cool that Jacob has a response you know, that he offers sacrifice. And, and, that's, and Laban takes off and is like, okay, I'm not crossing this line, and you don't cross this line, and, and all of those things, and... and so it's over, and you think it's over. And then we get to chapter 32. And look at verse 1. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. I, you know, last, a couple of weeks ago when Eric told me, I'm like, okay, I'll just do what's next. And then I read Genesis 32. Okay, Jacob gets in a conflict, he goes his way, and he runs into a company of angels. Who, who knows how many there are? And it's sort of, it, it's the, I had totally missed this in the story. Everybody knows about the, him wrestling the angel at the end of the chapter, but he runs into a camp of angels. I'm like, what is going on? And this is, this is not something that's unfamiliar throughout Scripture. In Joshua chapter 5, Verse 13 through 15, Joshua ends up meeting the commander of the army of the Lord. And he says, so, whose side are you on? Commander of the army of the Lord says, neither. And, and he f- figures out who he is because the, the commander of the army of the Lord, which is likely a, uh, the son of God, says, you need to take your shoes off because where you're at is holy ground. And then there's other places in 2 Kings 6. Verse 16 and 17 is, is the main verses is, um, you know, it's Elisha and, and his servant. And basically the, the king is going to come and tell Elisha to come down and take him and, and all these other things. And his servant is, is like, we're going to get killed. They're going to like drag us behind the, the horses or something. And, and he says, don't worry, we have more than they do. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? And then Elisha prays, he opens his eyes. And he opens his eyes and he sees the fiery host of the Lord and all their chariots, all their horses, all the angels that are surrounding Elisha. So the, the army of the Lord, the angelic army of the Lord is something that is real. And Jacob runs into this. Now, this would be an encouragement. Okay, I just got done with my father-in-law. He's never going to bother me again. Praise the Lord. And I'm on my way and I see this company of angels. And, and that would just be awe-inspiring, wouldn't it? You know, Jacob would have taken like 30 selfies if it was today, wouldn't he? You know, it'd be all over Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And so this blessing that he gets after this conflict, he gets this blessing and the knowledge that God is with him, that the army is there. And he calls the place two camps or double camps, Mahanaim, two camps, showing that I have my camp and all of, all of my 
uh, family and my servants, my goats, my milk camels we're going to read about, all of them. And then there's the Lord's camp that's there as well. So the first thing is the blessing that he encounters. Look in verse 3, because we're going to see an attitude change with some things that Jacob does. It says, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, and he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. What we miss in the English is that the word messengers and the word angels in in the other verse is the same Hebrew word, malach. Uh, In the Greek Septuagint, it's angelos. But the context is to show the difference between the messengers. One is from God. The other is commissioned by Jacob, who he has authority over. So God's angels weren't sent to intervene, but Jacob sent his own. Because you have to remember, part of Esau's last words is, once, once I'm done mourning my dad's death, I'm going to go kill him. That's part of the last words of Esau. So Jacob gets his brain in gear, and he's, he's on the, the, the east side of Jordan, about halfway down. And Edom is down south of, of Israel, and so Esau is heading up. And, and Esau is a king of that area. When you look at the genealogies and says, he's like, you know, I better give him a gift to pacify his anger. Much like Proverbs 21, 14 says. Now, basically what he's doing is paying him off so that he won't kill him. If I give him enough good things, then maybe he'll forgive me. And, he, and he's not doing it in secret. He's going to give it in front of, the, of all the people that are there so that they know he's giving a gift in respect to Esau. So he's trying to appease Esau. And just of thinking through this, uh, as we're going to see this conflict unfold on, on not only this week, but next week with Esau, this week with the angel of the Lord, is that do you seek to pacify conflict by some other means? You know what? If I don't have to do this, then, then maybe I can alleviate it on my own terms. Jacob has got these, these things. Remember the past weeks, you know, what his, his name means is deceiver. Is that he's always working. He's always trying to manip- manipulate things into his best interest until he starts to have an encounter with God. The third thing is when you, when you see that what his messengers say when he comes back is that he's fearing. Look in verse 6. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's also come to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. I I would think so. And he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and camels, into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. So Jacob's greatly distressed. It's, it's not some small matter. And, and I get, he's got 400 guys. The last thing he said is that he's going to kill me. Yep, he's going to kill me. What am I supposed to do? You know what? Diversion. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have two companies. So if he goes over here, then this, these people get away. 
Now, in the military, particularly in the army, you call it contingency plans. If this happens, then we're going to do this. And he is still trying to bail himself out with his own brains, with his own connivingness there. But he finally reaches the end of himself. And he can't figure the way out. He has no other way to turn because he goes from fearing to praying. Look in verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. He starts off this prayer. He addresses God impersonally. And why do I say that? Is when you look at chapter 31 as well, he talks about it's the God of his, of his grandfather, the God of his father. He also calls him the fear of Isaac. He doesn't make it personal, but that's going to happen later. He's going to have a personal encounter. But he does remind God of the promise in Genesis 31.3. That's where he told him those words, return to your country and I'll deal well with you. Verse 10 is awesome. He humbles himself. He comes to the end of himself to finally realize there is nothing that I can do if it's set in Esau's mind with his 400 men. He's going to wipe out the entirety of my family and take all of my things. And he says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth that you've shown me. And he gives him credit for his blessing in his life on, these thing, on the material things. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff. That's it. That's all he had. Coat on his back and a staff. And then now he says that he's two companies. That's how much the Lord has blessed him. Then as you look through the prayer, he requests for deliverance from his brother. Not only does he humble himself, he's honest about his fear. He says, for I fear him and what he's going to do. And then he closes with reminding God of his promise of progeny or of the people that will come after him. And verse 12 is a quote from Genesis 28, verses 13 through 15 that was given to Jacob by the Lord. Fear is something that can control us very easily, and we, it's good to see that Jacob turns to prayer at this moment's notice. Second Timothy 1, 7 says that fear isn't of the Lord. He does not give us that, but he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And 2 Corinthians 2 Verse 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared 
for those who love him. The reason why I bring these things up is because within his prayer, he, he quotes back to the Lord and says, Lord, you told me this. This is what you said to me, that you're going to be with me, that, I, that I'm going to have a family, that, I, that I'm going to have grandkids, those things. So do you take God at his word? Now, this, this is a, you know, I won't, I won't, we don't have enough time, but I won't drill down. Do you understand what you're saying when, when you say you believe what God says, but you live your life the other way? Is, is Jacob is at a point in his life, okay, I remember that he told me these things, and now I have to live it. Now I actually have, have to take that step that it's going to happen. Do you cling fast to what he says? Even that verse I quoted, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Do you believe that? Or is it just words that you repeat to try to make yourself feel better instead of grasping that God is the one that has told us that in 2 Timothy? The next thing he does is even though he prays is that he prepares. Look at the elaboration of his preparation in verse 13. So he lodged there that same night, which, which is uh, close to Mahanaim, and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. So he does an inventory, and then he's going he's gonna to separate the inventory of all of his stuff, and this is what he's going to give to Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts. And yes, I had to look it up. So they do milk camels, okay? That's, that's not a misprint. They do milk camels. 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. So they weren't driving them together. So there was, you know, goat herder guy with the goat, sheep herder guy with the sheep, the camel guy, cow guy, and the guy in charge of the donkeys. And so it's a, it's a they're sequential in how they were moving forward. They weren't all together. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So he gets them staged and ready for the next day. Look at the intricacy of his planning. You know, it doesn't say just a bunch of livestock, does it? There's detailed numbers. And he's giving those amounts of numbers to try to numb the anger of Esau. 
There's detailed organization. So there's wave after wave of gift. Imagine Esau seeing this. He, he sees all the goats. And he sees all the sheep in a little while later. Then he sees the camels a little while later. You know, who knows how long this took? Could have taken four to six hours for all of that to happen. There's detailed instruction. You notice the whole point is to appease and gain acceptance. But he also says that he is Esau's servant. And Esau is his Lord, giving a a message of submission to him. So all of this to buy favor among men. When you start to go back and let's think about this chapter, okay, this stuff happens with Laban. Nobody kills each other. Amen. And so they go their way and he runs into a camp of angels. Such a blessing to know that God is with him. And just like that, the fear overtakes him and he forgets that God is with him. And he prepares to get out of this problem all by himself. He's buying himself out by giving these things. He's seeking his way out of this conflict. And it's so easy for us to do that, isn't it? We're probably more apt to, to troubleshoot and think our way out of an issue instead of to remember that this dirt ball is not all that there is. You know? No, no offense, I'll just keep it general. Going through your favorite coffee stand is not the highlight of this life. And the problems that we encounter, we're going to understand why later, but the problems that we encounter if we say that we believe in a creator and a God and a savior and a king, but we don't ask him, what kind of subjects are we? It's, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? But because it's been ingrained into us to be self-sufficient all the time, we take it to the extreme, you know. And, okay, I come Wednesday, I come Sunday, but God doesn't even cross through my mind the other five days of the week because we're focused, laser-focused on work and other things. And it's not that we're to sit on our hands. What are you saying, Dan? We're not supposed to do anything? No. We are supposed to do something. We're required to do something. But diligence with devotion is what brings the answer. Hard work with faith in who our God is and the direction that he gives is what what leads our life, not just we ourselves. So we've had blessing. We've had appeasing. We've had fear. We've had uh, preparing, praying we've had in here. Now we get to the wrestling match. I won't list the wrestlers I know from the 70s, just for an illustration. Although I really do think Ric Flair was the longest one. Anybody remember him? Okay. He, he, he's also at the top of the list for the most money spent on plastic surgery. But let's get back to the text, okay? Verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed over the four Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
So we have the main camp that's at Mahanaim. He has staged all these animals in a certain way to leave the next morning. He takes his immediate family, his wife's maid servants in 11 little ones, and he goes about 12 to uh, 15 kilometers away to the uh, west of Mahanaim. And there he crosses, it says the brook Jabok. But the things I was reading is it's not an easy thing to cross, especially at night. And he puts them on the other side. Now, Jabok, so, so Jordan runs this way, right? And Jabok is a tributary that, that, that comes from the east and, and flows into uh, the Jordan. And so Mahanaim is here, and the place is going to call Peniel is here, and that's where he goes. And then he puts them on the north side of the brook. Now, me being a military guy, this makes sense. Esau is coming from down here, from the south, okay? So one, big camp, big distraction, lots of noise, lots of fires. Guess what Esau might see when he's farther away? The, the big camp. So I'm just going to shuffle off the buffalo away from the big camp with my immediate family so that maybe the, we aren't killed. And then to top it off is what? What might be even better, okay, is if I put rushing water in front of my family so that Esau, who is south of that, cannot hear my family if anything happens, okay? Any of you that go camping at night, if you're camping next to a river, you'll know what the noise is like that you can't hear as well if you're farther removed from the river. And so... The confusing thing is why is Jacob on the side of the, the brook Jacob uh, by himself? You know, and, and I have no idea and there's absolutely no commentaries that say why he did it. The only thing I can figure out is that he might, he might, okay? Air quotes, everybody got that? Guys online, air quotes. He might have of trying to be the only one that Esau would have encountered if it happened at nighttime. All right, maybe. But anyways, let's look at what the story does say. It, can you imagine you are in the dark by yourself and, and a ninja attacks you or something? All of a sudden you're, you're sitting there and you're in a headlock laying on the ground and you are starting to wrestle for your life. Can you imagine that? Some of you that have kids, go, pl- go practice. Go in the bedroom, turn the light off. Okay, okay, son, get me. And then you can see how surprising it is. But that's what's happened to him. Now, even with the amount of surprise that happened to him, he doesn't lose. Right? He doesn't lose. And, and you have to, to remember when they're born, you know, Esau is, is the buff, hairy guy, you know, that's hunting all the animals. Remember? And killing everything. All right? Jacob is taking sewing class with mom. Learning, learning how to cook good. All right? Is it, it, you know, I'm putting it in modern language, but that's what, what it, it says. In fact, to deceive dad, do you remember what they had to put on his arms? Goat skin. And dad, even though dad was blind, he thought it was Esau. Hmm, smells like a goat. Harry, must be Esau. All right? It, so it, who knows what it is, but, but he's wrestling this man until the breaking of the day. So whether or not it's dawn or whether it's that, that, that grayish light right before the sun pops up. And uh, it hasn't changed yet. So it says he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip. 
And I can, I, can, I can picture this because Isaiah, my son, he did wrestling this past, past year. And, you know, they got kids this big wrestling. Okay? Now it's hilarious. All right? But, and then you have bigger ones. And you see how, how aggressive that they wrestle. And just imagine that's happening all night. And then it gets to that the sun might come up. And who he's wrestling realizes, okay, he's not giving up. And then it, this says touch, but it means he strikes. So somehow he strikes his hip and puts it out of socket. But the surprising thing is, is Jacob does not let go. Now, anybody, anybody put something out of socket, your finger, your shoulder, it is not pleasant, is it? Is that it? You will stop. But Jacob didn't. In his tenacity, he hangs on. And, and you know, it, we see... When he, when he goes through this, that there's a progression. You know, there's the, first of all, Jacob can't wrestle as effectively, but he's not letting go of the guy. And the guy tells him, hey, let me go. But then he changes. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. All right? And, and trying to figure out why does he say, unless you bless me? Why would he ask that? Well, one is that he does not want to get killed. Right? Because now he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a leg, but he does not want to get killed. And he said, is it because of how it goes on to, set, to uh, continue in uh, verse 27? Because he says, so he said to him, what is your name? Is it because he begins to recognize who he's wrestling? That this is not an ordinary man. And why do I say that? What, what happened in verse 1 and 2? Is he encountered a camp of angels. Now, if you do, angelology might be the first theological seminar in July or August, just in case you want to come. Is that mo, when you study angels throughout Scripture and they encounter people, do you know what happens to people sometimes? They fall down as if dead. They faint. All right? What, what was Moses' face like after he'd been on Mount Sinai for 40 days and he came down? It was glowing. So the glory of the Lord is, up, is upon his spiritual creatures that do his will that impacts humanity in different ways. They either pass out or faint or almost die. Or they're like, hey, I, I can't look at you. You know, put a veil over your face, Moses, along those lines of realizing. So is he recognizing? And he, then he, he transitions to... What is your name? And the blessing comes. And he, in verse 27, he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is, that, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And look at Jacob's response. So Jacob called the, the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over a penule, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his, socket, on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. This conversation happens the only angel that does not give his name is, is the angel of the Lord. And it's happened in other places. Other ones, they will give their names. 
So we see Jacob is tenacious and stubborn, but likely realizes it's the angel of the Lord or an angel. Having held on and not lost, he had to make decisions about what he was going to do, what he was going to say, because his, his hip was out of socket. Hip joint was out of socket. You know, he's hanging on for a blessing, not necessarily for his life. He's hanging on for a blessing because he'd been beaten, but he wasn't letting go. Just like he pled for mercy in his prayer, he's pleading now, asking for that blessing. And is his fear gone? Because he recognizes who is with him, and it's turned into faith. You know, Hosea 12, 3 through 4 quotes this, and this is what it talks about in referring back to this story. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength, he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. So we have two places that say it's God and it's an angel. But look at what it says next, or listen. It says he wept and sought favor from him. He's weeping while he's asking for that blessing and seeking favor from him. And he gets a name change, Jacob. So from Jacob to Israel, his, his name means heel catcher, supplanter, deceiver. Now it is Israel. From the text, struggled with God and man and, and prevailed or attained, endured. You know, some think it is prevailed with God. Uh, others think it's the prince of God or contends with God. But a lot's in a, in a name change. A life transformation is in this name change. And we too receive a new name. The name of our God, the name of our Savior written upon us. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. For those who overcome. But I want to emphasize one thing here that gets missed. Is that Jacob didn't know who he was wrestling immediately. It's dark outside and it says a man is what the scripture says. And the, the point I want you to focus on is... Here's my question. Are you wrestling with God and you don't know it? And that's a hard question to ask yourself because what it means is you're struggling against the things in this life, not understanding that God is the one that's orchestrating them. And some of you might be here as you are wrestling with Jesus Christ in the reality of who he is, or the Holy Spirit testifying the truth of who God is, you are wrestling because you don't want to let go. But in the end, the blessing comes with it. What was the result of his wrestling was his hip was out of socket. We're too easy to be comfortable at times, aren't we? And there's a couple of uh, passages that reminded me about. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, it's the, the story about Paul. And Paul says, you know what? I had this thorn in the side. And, he, and he's a.k.a. messenger of Satan. And I prayed three times, Lord, take this from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he also answers the question, why? So that he wouldn't become prideful. But it goes down into verse 10. The end of nine, it says, Therefore, most gladly I will, will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
that's a bit opposite of America, isn't it? Of how we've been trained to think. A few weeks from now, a few months from now, we're going to hit Joseph and you're going to hit the end of Genesis, chapter 50. And go read verse 20 because Israel dies, Jacob dies, and Joseph's other brothers are shaking in their sandals saying, Dad's gone. Joseph is second in charge in Egypt. He's going to kill us. But Joseph saw the correct perspective. Despite all the things he went through with imprisonment and slavery, betrayed by his his brothers, all of this, he says, well, you meant for evil. God meant it for good. As he had that. So as we were, were closing tonight, of just really thinking about that question as you meditate upon this story, you know, is, am I wrestling God and I don't even know it? Because you're so used to taking care of yourself that you haven't prayed, sought his direction, submitted to his will in your life to know what to do next. The rest of the story is, is those nine days as I'm in the hospital sometimes in insatiable pain and I think people visited me and I got freaked out a little bit and I don't remember them luckily somebody had posted a, a song by Shane and Shane on Facebook and I only remember one line and it's based off of Job thirteen, fifteen. It says though he slay me yet will I trust in him so two years ago lying in the hospital bed on the seventh floor of Memorial, Maine, I'd hit the point of exhaustion of not letting go, but praying these words, holding on for faith. And as we have communion tonight and thinking about this, is you, you have to ask these questions. Does fear control my life? Am I wrestling with God and I don't even know it? Instead of submitting with what he has. Some of us are going through bad things and Psalm 30 verse 4 and 5 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning despite his hip being out of socket when you read the end of that chapter and he talks about seeing God is that he had joy that God is with him so let's stand and just to uh, explain communion It is that part that we reflect and share the gospel in the participation of what what represents what Christ has done for us. And just like Jacob prayed, none of us are worthy of the mercy of God. So you don't come to this table because of how big you are, how tall you are, how pretty you are, how smart you are. You come to this table because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And that's what God sees. So of remembering that before you come forward. And again, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, pastors will be on the side. And you can ask what he's done for eternity as well. And then I encourage you, don't, don't leave here fears controlling your life.
because it's not from God whatsoever. So, thank you.